0: All right, if you have your Bible, turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5, another one of our uh, series of passages that I think are some of the most helpful passages for spiritual growth. I think every Christian should know these passages, should study these passages, and be ready to use these passages as they help their brothers and sisters grow in Christ, because that's what we're called to do. We're called to encourage each other and to walk in uh, the knowledge of the truth. So Galatians chapter 5 Another key uh, passage that deals with this stuff, as we look at the book of Galatians, just uh, I think you've been studying this in ABF. Have you been doing this in ABF some? Yes, uh, some of you are in adult Bible fellowship. Where are you in adult Bible fellowship Galatians four man, we're going to get a jump start on this right in chapter five, right? Right in chapter five. Okay, so chapter five is where we're going to open our Bibles now because if you look at what he says, he talks about chapter 4, the, um, the, the difference between the bond and the free, and uh, the law and freedom. And so he says in chapter 5, verse 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage, with the yoke or the burden of bondage. So the context of this passage we're going to talk about today, the context... Is living with Christian liberty, so living with liberty is our context when we get into this passage liberty freedom that Christ has freed us from the uh, from the law and has given us freedom uh, and and what that means uh, and how we live that out so in verses two through six, he says that faith is working through love when we refuse to submit ourselves to legalism. He says, indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law, that if you, if you bind yourself to pursue legalism, you're trying to benefit from an outward manifestation, outward uh, following God. If you participate in this, you're enslaving yourself to the whole law. He says, if you try to be justified the law, verse by the law, verse 4, you are becoming estranged from Christ, so if we, are, we are to pursue freedom uh, and not pursuing the law. Instead, verse 5, he says that through the Holy Spirit we wait. We, through hope of the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by what? Righteousness by, by faith. We have righteousness by faith, not through the law. Faith working through love. And verse 6, he says the only thing that works, the only thing that avails in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails or does anything or works anything but faith working through love. Okay, so um, in verse 7 through 12, he talks about the danger of allowing any of this to work itself in your mind. The danger there is that it can be pervasive. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. So we are called to liberty. But look at verse 13. If you look with me as we go into verse 16, which is really where we're going to start focusing, he says, you have been called to liberty. That's verse 1, referencing verse 1. Only do not use liberty as a what? as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Do not use liberty as an occasion or an opportunity to fulfill your fleshly desires. People can choose to say, well, I'm not going, I don't have to obey the law, therefore I'm going to indulge my flesh. He says, don't go that route. And he's going to explain why it's so important we don't go that route in just a minute. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, but if you bite and devour each other, beware lest you be consumed by one another. And then we dive into our passage, which is, again, one of the fundamental passages relating to spiritual growth, and it has to do with these two realms in which we live, which is the spirit and the flesh, the spirit versus the flesh, okay? It's like battle, like the, the boxing match here, the right, wrestling match, spirit versus flesh. So read with me in verse 1. Or verse 16, sorry. He says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh, or lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another. So you cannot do the things that you wish, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. What is the command we begin with? The command is what? What? walk in the Spirit. Okay? Walk in the Spirit. This is the command where he begins, I say therefore, or our translation, I say then, walk how? In what realm? In the Spirit. We talk about the word walk I looked through my Bible, and I thought, what are some examples of when we talk about people walking in things? Like, how can we understand this phrase? We don't use this phrase that often today. I don't say walk in unless I'm using Bible terms, right? We don't usually use walk very commonly in our, in our language. So I need a few of you to look up verses here. Who can look up John eight twelve? Okay, over here, who can look up Acts fourteen sixteen? Yes, ma'am. Uh, who can look up uh, Romans 6, 4? So we over here, Jimmy? And then 2 Corinthians 10.3, okay, Chris? And then 2 Corinthians 12.18, okay? Uh, just work through these really ni- nice and quick. We want to see if we can understand when we use this phrase, walk in, what we're talking about, okay? You might think you know, but it's always good to investigate. All right, where's our first one? Chris, you got it? Okay, we're dealing with Luke, or John 8.12. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, okay? What is what is he talking about there? Sin. Sin. Christ is light. He's the truth. So to walk in darkness means to do what with, rela- with respect to darkness? It's the of okay, it's the opposite of, of, what did you say? It's the opposite of? It's sin. Yeah, it's sin. It's the opposite of righteousness. But I'm, th- I'm thinking specifically of this idea of walking in, if we talk about walking in darkness, we're talking about, light. Uh, let's just keep going. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, I think you'll see what I'm, where I'm going with this. Acts 14, 16. Who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Okay, speaking of God who allowed all these nations to walk in their own ways. Yes. It's, it has to do, okay, so we talk about walk. We're obviously not talking about the way someone actually steps, and their gait, or if they limp, or if they run, or they skip. We're talking about the way... We're using this metaphorically to describe the way they live their lives. Yeah, Matt? We do say watch your step, step, and we mean that in a kind of a metaphorical way, right? So we say, watch your step. Better look where you're going. And we don't just mean, like, don't trip. We're saying you are getting... You're in dangerous territory. You're in a minefield. We use all these examples, right? When you say walk according to their ways, walk according to darkness, or in the darkness, what's uh, the next one we had? Uh, I think it was Romans 6-4. Yes, sir. Therefore, we were very with him, the baptism of the dead, that just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, even so we should, always, we should often walk in newness of life. Walk in newness of life, or walk in a new way of living. Okay? Walk... In this way. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10.3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Okay, he says we walk in the flesh, and that's an acknowledgement that we walk in the flesh. We walk according to the rules of the flesh, according to the realm of the flesh. In other words, we live in flesh and blood. We are limited by our flesh and blood. We walk according to the flesh, we live in fleshly bodies but we don't war according to fleshly bodies, right? We have a different rule set. This is kind of where I'm going. It has to do with your, almost your rules that you live by or your law that you follow. We have another one here, Second Corinthians 12, 18. I desired Titus, and with him I sent a brother. Did Titus make a gain of you? Walk we not in the same spirit? Walk we not in the same steps? Yeah, did we not walk in the same spirit? Did we not walk with the same attitude? Or walk with the same steps. So what I have here is walk often refers to daily choices and living. We're talking about little things. Little things. We often get, uh, I I get sucked into thinking about big things. I think big in in terms of big big philosophical things. And what we're talking about is, is small choices. When you walk, you take steps that make you go towards a goal. And it takes you a long time to get from point A to point B by walking, but it's just little steps. But all you do is take the next step, right? Little steps. And when you live your life, life is a lot like that. You don't usually make huge jumps. Normally it's little steps, and so we are to walk this way. Walk is often connected with choices and living. And to walk in the Spirit is to walk according to the governance of the Spirit. And this is where I was getting, that it has to do with the rules by which you live. So to walk in the Spirit means you walk by the rules of the Spirit. You walk according to the way the Spirit tells you to walk. In other words, to walk in the Spirit is to obey the Spirit. What I'm trying to get rid of is sometimes when it comes to this kind of talk, when we talk about the Spirit, we get really mystical, and we, take, we divorce ourselves from reality. We say, I'm just walking in the Spirit, almost like it's a spooky thing, right? Like, if I'm walking in the Spirit, I, I can, like, almost see the future. Have you ever talked to people? Or like, If I'm walking in the Spirit, I can, like, tell you something from God directly, okay? That the walking in the Spirit we're talking about Biblically speaking, is very simple. It's walking according to the rules and the governance and the, 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 the life that the Spirit gives us. So we walk according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. That's the two rule sets. It's the two ways you can live your life. You can walk according to the flesh or according to the Spirit. And so look at verse 16, I say then walk in the Spirit and, so here's the second part of our phrase here, what happens if we walk in the Spirit and you shall not, you will not, you cannot, what? Fulfill Fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So to walk in the Spirit guarantees, guarantees that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh because these two things are contrary to each other. You cannot be at the same time walking in the spirit and walking in the lust of the flesh. Are we, are we clear so far? Are we making sense? You are not going to be walking in the spirit and sinning at the same time, walking in the flesh. If you are, if you are walking according to the flesh, then you will not walk according to the spirit. And if you're walking according to the spirit. You will not be walking according to the flesh, because the flesh and the Spirit, again, are contrary. There's your blank. They are contrary to each other. They are opposites. They are contrary to each other. This is fundamental. Why? Well, let's look at what he says. Verse 17, for the flesh... Let me, let me just... Uh, I don't know if you guys have a different translation. Every time we see the word lusts here, I want you to exchange the word desires... Because the word lust is the word epithumeo, which just is a desire, or epithumeo, it's a verb. It's it's, it's a desire, and it can be negative or positive, okay? We have words like that in English. In some contexts, it's negative. In other contexts, it's positive. So let's read it that way. For the flesh desires contrary or against the spirit, and the spirit contrary or against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish or want to do. Okay, so you have living in you the flesh and the spirit. We don't normally think of the spirit lusting, but the spirit has desires, okay? And the flesh has desires. And because they're contrary to one another, do you see what it's saying? The flesh's desires and the spirit's desires are contrary to each other. They want opposite things the flesh lusts or desires against the spirit and the spirit desires against the flesh so your desires your desires are coming from one of two sources from what what are the two sources from which our desires come the flesh or the spirit right we don't need to overthink this it's either coming from it's either a fleshly desire a carnal desire or a spiritual desire right And and I think if we're honest with ourselves, we can pretty much determine where those desires come from. And we're going to get into some of that. How they work out is where we see where they come from. We'll see that later. I have a quote from uh, Walvert here. He says, The Scripture distinguishes the spiritual and the carnal, those who walk worthily of the Lord and those who walk after the manner of men. He has some verses here, 1 Corinthians 2 and 1 Corinthians 3, Colossians 1.10. The distinction represented in these frequent contrasts is within the fold of the Christian church and is definitely traced to a difference in relationship to the Holy Spirit. Accordingly, Paul writes to the Galatians, but I say, walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Here's what he's saying, that the lust of the flesh and the lust of the Spirit, this contrast is in this church. It's in our church. It's in us that we are facing the battle of walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The contrast between the flesh and the spirit is within the church body. It's within the spiritual body. It's within the person who wants to follow Christ. Does that make sense? This is not out there. It's not us versus them. This is in us. So what is the result of this, these two natures, flesh and the spirit, which are contrary to each other? At the end of verse 17, these are contrary to one another so that you do what? What does it say? Verse 17, finish up the verse for me. Okay, you do not do the things you want to do or the things you wish. What does that mean? When you're walking by the Spirit, obeying God, if I'm not obeying my desires, my wishly desires, I might be obeying the Lord, because there is only two ways. There's only two options, right? And do you have both of those in you? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. If you're a Christian, you do. Yes. If you're a Christian, you have the spirit and the flesh, the old man the new man raging uh, a fight against, uh, in, within you. So let me ask you a question, or let me just explain this this way. I think what's so enlightening about this is that I think this works both ways in that you cannot do what you want to do. Let's just imagine for a second that you decide you're never going to sin again. Never had that conversation with God? I have. Lord, I'll never sin again. It's over. I'm on the altar. I have sacrificed my desires and my flesh, and they're all yours. I'm committing myself. I will never sin again. I have had that conversation with God. You know what happened? Ten minutes later. <laughs> if 10 minutes later. If it was even 10 minutes, right? Right? If I decide that I desire to never again sin with my flesh, can I do what I want to do? The answer is no. Why? Because I have the flesh still in me. Okay, if, and here's the other side. I wonder how many of you thought of it this way too. If I desire, if I'm, a, if I'm a true Christian and I desire, I am going to walk away from God. I don't like God. I don't like his rules. I don't like what he wants me to do. I am just going to indulge my flesh. I am going to become a worldly fleshly person, and I'm going to become full Flesh, flesh, flesh. I'm going to reject the spirit and, and just be absorbed in the flesh. If you are a child of God, will that last? Why? Conscience. Because the spirit and because our conscience and because you belong to Jesus, right? So so he'll, 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 I wouldn't use the word beat us up, but, but God will discipline us. Absolutely. He will discipline us. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 7 through 9. I put it in your notes, I think. Um, it says, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chase? If you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be subject, subjection to the Father of spirits and live? I, I'm convinced that the believer who decides to walk away from God cannot fully do so because God will not let him. That's my personal opinion of what this is saying. I think the desire of you cannot do what you wish. Uh, there are other passages that talk about the ones who go out from among us because they were not of us. There, there are people within the church who were not of the church. There's another whole discussion there which we're not going to get into tonight. As far as this relates, I believe that what this is speaking is that there will, as long as you live, be a battleground in your heart, and you've got to decide that that does not make you like, that does not ennoble, um, that is not uh, bad necessarily. It is just how it works, that you're going to be in a battleground the rest of your life fighting for uh, the supremacy of the spirit over the flesh in your life. And will it get easier sometimes? Sure. Some days will be easier than others, and, and, and you need to be willing to fight. And I think sometimes people are, think that they shouldn't have to fight or that they shouldn't have this struggle. But I think this verse is pretty clear about that. Uh, any, any questions to this point? Am I making sense, or you want to challenge anything I'm saying? That's fine too. Or any any clarifications, Drew? Go ahead. Challenge or a question? But just a comment. Uh, I mean, Paul says this exact thing. I mean, he says the things that I want to do, that's what I don't do, and the things that I don't want to do, those very things I do. A wretched man that I, I mean, you know. And so, if the apostle Paul himself is finding himself in that category. Romans about- chapter 7, right? He he says those exact things. He says the things yeah. I want to do I don't do and things I don't want to do I do. And then um, this is the reality of living in our in our world with the old man still there and having to put off the old man, putting to death the old man, all of those things we are to do, we are to mortify the deeds of the flesh and there's a lot We could go there, Uh, we're not going to talk about that tonight. But this main thing I want to focus on, we're we're not done yet, is this contrast between walking in the Spirit, that is walking according to the rules and obeying the Spirit, versus walking according to the flesh and obeying the flesh. You're having two competing government systems within your heart, and every day you need to be choosing to follow the Spirit and to reject the flesh, every day. And the minute you say, I've got this whipped, I'm okay, I'm good, that's when you get in trouble. You need to be committed to these things, recognizing the fact that these are contrary to each other. They don't, play, they don't play games with each other. They're not friends. They're opposite sides. And then he says in verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You are led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit. In verse 19, he begins to talk about the works of the flesh. That's our next blank, the works of the flesh of the flesh. He says, how do you know? Well, the flesh works itself out, and they're evident. That means they're obvious. He divide, I divided these up into, I think, three categories, three or four, four, no, five categories, sorry, five categories. The first, he says, is sexual sins. He deals with sexual sins. Because the flesh and sex are so connected, um, you know, uh, these he deals with adultery, which is And fornication, which is just immorality, it's unlawful sexual intercourse, anything illicitly sexual, um, premarital sex or, or pornography or any of that kind of stuff falls under this umbrella term. In fact, fornication in the Greek is the word pornea, where we get our word pornography from, okay? So he says sexual sins come from the flesh. They don't come from the spirit. If you're engaging in pornea, you are not walking in the spirit. It, it, it is, and I, I'm not trying to be overly um, um, harsh or overly um, uh, crude, but the but the point is, is that if you are if you are engaging in these sins, uh, you are not walking with God, and you need to repent. Okay, I, I've talked to people before who are engaging in lewdness and drunkenness and uncleanness, but they talk, but that, that they, but then they talk about their walk with God. And they talk about their spirituality. And I'm like, friend, you need to get right with God. You are not right with God. So be careful. Spiritual pride is a real thing. And people can exalt themselves and excuse their sin. So deal with these things seriously, okay? Fornication, uncleanness, which is just anything dirty. Moral corruption. Lewdness. That's lack of self-restraint. Okay? Violating the bounds of what's acceptable. So sexual sins and then religious sins. He deals with idolatry, which is connected a little bit to sexual sins in that the idolatry of the ancient world was a a fleshly thing. It often involved uh, sexual uh, intercourse with uh, prostitutes um, or the sacrifice of um, uh, children, babies, uh, to idols in the ancient, ancient world, not so much in the Greek world. Um, But it it was sexual in nature. And then sorceries, which was... Uh, our, our word pharm- pharmakeia, which is where we get our, our word for medicine, pharm- pharmacy. And, and actually, drugs were very much associated with uh, sorcery. Uh, potions and drugs and poisons and things like that that would create hallucinogenic uh, uh, stimulations and, and all the things that we think are LSD, the kinds of things people talk about today as being so new. They were around in the Greek times too, and people did these things, and they associated with worship. Um, so uh, Satan is involved in that stuff. Don't don't go near that stuff. Sorceries. Anytime you see the word sorcery or magic in the Bible, you can, you can, like, put in parentheses drug use next to that. It's very similar. Um, it's actually the same root word. Then he deals with the relational sins. He moves from the more extreme uh, fleshly things that you, you might say, well, I'm not involved in fornication or sorceries, but then he goes hatred, which is just the opposite of love. Contention, which is fighting, creating strife. Jealousies, intense negative feelings about another's achievements or success. I used to get really jealous of people when people would succeed. I get mad. I would see someone else get a trophy and I get angry. That's that's just sinful, fleshly. That's a desire for me to be exalted. Uh, I don't. I'm not rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep. Right? I'm weeping with those who are rejoicing. It's the opposite. Okay. Uh, outbursts of wrath, it's a state of anger, wrath, indignation, displeasure, selfish ambition. It's, uh, I have a, a note here that it was found before New Testament only in Aristotle's works, and he mentions that this kind of selfish ambition is a self-seeking pursuit of a political office by unfair means. Okay, so someone who's bribing people to get an office uh, in politics, that's what he would use. Next, not only relational sins, I have destructive sins, uh, dissensions, so state of being in factious opposition, someone who just always has to argue, Okay, heresies, which is divisions, again, causing problems, destruction, envy, being jealous, and murders. Um, Lastly, social sins is what I call these last two, drunkenness, um, being intoxicated which is connected to the next word of revelries, which has to do with feastings and partyings, banquets and processions. We have to be careful. These are all things that stem from the flesh. What does it look like to walk according to the the works of the flesh? Well, there it is. Okay. Things that come out of the desires, instant gratification, no concern for long-term results. Okay. Next, the fruit of the Spirit. So, notice... One thing, fruit is singular, the fruit of the Spirit is, and then it flows out. It's not the fruits of the Spirit are, it's the fruit of the Spirit is, which is interesting. This one singular fruit comes out of the spiritual life in this way, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, or kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And we've all memorized these in in different ways, but let me just walk through some of these. They are agape love, a giving kind of love, joy, joy which you're familiar with, a a, a happiness and a a full heart, even in times of difficulty. Peace, confidence in God, long-suffering, this willingness to endure for a long time, kindness to other people, goodness is being good to other people, faithfulness, being faithful, being reliable, gentleness, the quality of not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. I love that definition, straight from the dictionary. Self-control means restraining yourself, your emotions and impulses and desires. Self-control wraps up the, the essence of the fruit of the spirit because, because the fruit of the, the, the flesh, the lust of the flesh, the works of the flesh are, are identified by lack of self-control. Look at all of those lists of the works of the flesh and none of them have self-control. The ability to say no to yourself, is not there. If, if you don't have that self-control, then you're not walking in the spirit. Then he talks about against these is no law. Look at the next uh, 24 and 25. We'll wrap this up. The crucified flesh. The crucified flesh. He says, and those who are Christ, those who belong to Christ, if you belong to Jesus, have what? Have crucified the flesh. Why does he use that word? Put it to death. Put it to death. New life, new creation. It's absolute. It's absolute. There's no doubt. It's not like you put it to rest or you put it to bed or you put it on vacation or you bury it in the backyard or you sweep it under the rug. You crucify it, right? You kill it. You destroy it. And Jesus was crucified. And so there's the the application that Christ died for our sins, so our sins died with him, and the power of those sins died as well, right? Our sins have been nailed to the cross, the passage of Scripture says. So those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. With its passions and desires, the flesh no longer has dominion, over us, if we live in the Spirit, verse 25, let us also walk in the Spirit. If you are saved, you shouldn't be walking in the flesh. You should be walking in the Spirit. That's the command. So there is a reality and w- there is a truth in which we really, as Christians, ought to reflect Christ and we ought to reflect the fruit of the Spirit. And if we're not, there's something wrong. Okay? I have a couple of verses to read to you here at the end. Um, Colossians 3, 5, he says, Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth and he lists fornication uncleanness passion evil desire covetousness which is idolatry Romans 6 knowing this that our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin Romans 8:13 if you live according to the flesh you will die but if you through the spirit put to death the deeds of the body you will live Romans 13:14 says put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh 1 Peter 2, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. So, if we live in the Spirit, let's walk in the Spirit. For Christians, Let's walk according to the Spirit, walk according to the rules of the Spirit, live in obedience to the Spirit. That's all it is. It's not walking in a spooky, mystical uh, twilight zone. It is just looking at the Word of God, reading and understanding what God is saying, and obeying it. That is walking according to the Spirit. I have one more quote here. The work of the Holy Spirit in filling the believer may be simply defined as that ministry which is accomplished in the believer when he is fully yielded to the indwelling Holy Spirit. Are you yielded to Christ? Are you yielded to the Spirit? If you are, if you're willing to do what he says, then you're walking in the Spirit. All right? Maybe a minute or two for any questions or comments or thoughts as we wrap this up. Anything? Yeah, Pat. I always think if Christ died for me and he lives in me. I'm walking in the body, but pretend like Christ is in me. What kind of life does he want to live through my body? There you go. And do the best you can Let others see Christ in you. Let other people see Christ in you, absolutely. What kind of life would he live if he was in my body, which he is? Right. Okay. Yes, great, great analogy. My goal tonight has just been to to demystify some of this. When people talk about walking in the Spirit, if you were to just say, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? I think a lot of us before tonight, if I just said, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? You might be a little bit like, well, I'm not, well, I mean, I think it's probably to walk, like to, to live I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you, but uh, let me just articulate it for you. To walk in the Spirit is to obey the Spirit and it's to choose to, to do what God says. It's to choose to obey God when He tells you to do something, you do it. That is walking in the Spirit and the promise is when you're walking in the Spirit, you're not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay? It's a protection for us. All right, let's close with prayer. Thank you all for your good attention. Remember to pick up your kids on the way out. All right, Lord, thank you so much for your word that gives us these uh, direct instructions on how we are to live um, in a way that's pleasing to you. May we walk in the Spirit and so not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Protect us, Lord. We all battle the flesh in different ways. And I pray you would protect us from the, the strength of the flesh. May, may we recognize it has been put to death and crucified on the cross. Let us put that to death so we may walk uh, with victory, walking with you. And thank you for the, uh, the strength you give us, the grace you give us every day that we might obey you, And may we access that grace and follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, y'all have a great night. Thank you.